0: Of course, today is Resurrection Sunday. Amen. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say silently, whispering, "He's risen." The reason I ask you to do that is because uh, in those days they cannot, you know, publicly declare that he is risen. Because uh, we all know, after the death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, all of them were hiding. And so, they don't want the news to, of course, to be spread out uh, loudly and publicly. But, of course, this morning, uh, in our modern Christianity, we can loudly say that He is risen! Hallelujah! Amen! And, of course, we should not be silent about this because His death and most especially His resurrection sealed the gospel in our words the good news is not only he died he was buried and rose from the dead and the good news is when a person invite Christ into their hearts we have hope we have salvation amen And that's why this Sunday is a very very Important Sunday that we Christians should celebrate. And of course, it is fairly well established fact that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was publicly executed in Judea in the first century A.D., we all know that this is under Pontius Pilate by means of cruel crucifixion. And at the behest of this Jewish Sanhedrin. And so We have a record that these non-historical accounts of Flavius Josephus, Cornelius Tacitus, Lucian of Samosata, Maimonides, and even the Jewish Sanhedrin. This, This group of people, they corroborated the early Christian witnesses account of the important historical aspects of the death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's no doubt about that. But as for his resurrection, there are lines, several lines of evidences which make for a compelling case. Not indeed, was Christ was resurrected from the dead, and the tomb was indeed empty. There's a guy by the name of Sir Lionel Laho, this jurisprudential prodigy. He was an international statesman. And of course, he's holding a Guinness Book of Records. And he's famous for his unprecedented 245 consecutive defense murder trial acquittals. Consecutive, and those are 245. And so he's in the Guinness Book of Records. He epitomized Christian enthusiasm and also the confidence in the strength of the case for the resurrection. Uh, when he wrote this, and I will share it with you, it's on the monitor. This is what he said when he was alive. I have spent more than 42 years of a defense trial lawyer appearing in many parts of the world, and I'm still in active practice. I have been fortunate to secure a number of successes in jury trials. I say unequivocally, the evidence for for the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so overwhelming that it compels acceptance by proof which leaves absolutely no room look at what he said no room for doubt this guy is a brilliant guy he's a lawyer trial lawyer and he did look for many evidences, and he found a lot today even though people through their naked eye through their knowledge, have encountered facts and proof that Jesus is alive because they are skeptics in their hearts, they will still deny it. And I think that's the work of the enemy. Because the enemy, the devil, doesn't want us to know that our Savior is alive, that we are serving a God that is not dead. He is alive. In fact, one of the, the songs that is, of course, written in our hymn, no? a song that's I serve a reason Savior is in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. And if you continue that song, it says that he is alive because I am the proof that he is alive. Because when you encounter Christ, the living Christ, there will be changes in your heart. Because the mere fact that he rose from the dead, he will not only give you eternal life, but he will transform you into his image. And so therefore, people know Christ is alive because of us Christians telling the whole world, hey, I'm here, he's alive because I am a changed person. But I want for us to know this morning, it is important for us to remind ourselves that in our society again, they twist everything when it comes to the knowledge Of who Christ is, especially the birth and also his resurrection. Because nowadays, this resurrection, they call it, of course, Easter. It's more on egg hunting. It's more about on eggs. Though we do this here, we don't focus on those eggs. I want for us to realize here this morning about First, the reasons why Christ's resurrection is so meaningful. It is very meaningful. It's not just about holidays, but there is meaning. Number one, why is it meaningful? The resurrection of Jesus is meaningful because it proves that God is powerful. That the Ghana we serve. The God that we worship here at Philam International Church is a God that is so powerful. It displays the immense power of God in himself. To believe in the resurrection is to believe in God. If God exists and if he created the universe, he has power over it, then he has power to raise the dead. If he does not have such power he's not worthy of our faith and our worship why simply because he's dead and he's not powerful only he who created life can resurrect it after death and so only he can reverse the hideousness that is death itself and only he can remove the sting and also gain the victory Over the grave. And that's why, again, it is very meaningful because it proves that God that dwells in your heart and in my heart is a powerful God. In resurrecting Jesus from the grave, God reminds us of his absolute sovereignty over life and also death. Talking about his power, you remember what he said in John chapter eleven when he raised Lazarus from the dead. What did the Lord say? He said, "After that, I am the resurrection and the life." But when he said that, before he said to Lazarus, "Lazarus, you come out." You know, some some theologians said. He specifically mentioned the name of Lazarus because if he will not mention the name of Lazarus, all the dead in that cemetery will rise up from the dead. Why? Because he's powerful. We all know that when Christ was born and and Mary uh, was a little bit skeptic about what she is experiencing, we... uh, Uh, The angel said, With God, nothing is impossible. One of the verses that I like also that proves that you cannot change yourself, but God can, is found in Jeremiah chapter 13, verse 23. Can the Ethiopian change his skin, or the leopard, his spots? See, this, this verse is metaphoric expression both originated in an ancient Greek proverb. And the phrase leopard never changes its spot means that it's impossible for one, listen, it's impossible for you and me to change your very character even if they will try very hard, even though every year, every every new year, you you say, Lord, this is my New Year's resolution. The expression sometimes also is, is used as a leopard can change its path. It's used to explain the idea, listen very carefully, that no one can change their innate nature Now why did I share this verse It's because the God that we worship he's alive and his resurrection prove that he is so powerful I want to make it practical today that if you want changes in your heart you need Christ in your heart because he alone can change the very character that you want to change. If you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, He will instantly change you. And I also do believe that ev- that there is anything that is in our hearts, or or any anything that you want to get rid of it, God can instantly change it. Some of you believe that gradually, gradually. No, salvation is not gradually, it is instant. Also, change is instant. Amen. Why? Because the resurrection of Jesus Christ proved that the Jesus whom you accepted in your heart is so powerful and he can change. Your very nature. Well, it proves that he's powerful, but also it confirmed his claim to be the Messiah, the Son of God. During his ministry, he constantly asked his disciples, and one of them specifically, of course, Peter, "Who do you think I am?" And of course, the crowd said, "Hey, some people said you are Elijah," but Peter said. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. You see, he is the Christ. When he resurrected from the dead, he proved that he is the Christ. By the way, uh, how many of you believe that Christ is Jesus' last name? (laughs) Jesus Christ, okay. Christ is not his last name. Christ is his title, meaning the Anointed One, the Chosen One. Okay? Same thing with the word Messiah. Messiah and the word Christ are just the same. Messiah is a Hebrew word and Christ is a Greek word, meaning the Anointed One. It, it's not his last name. He is the Chosen One. That is his title. He is the Christ. The Christ in which or the Messiah in which Christ promised or God the Father promised in the book of Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. that after Adam and Eve violated the commands of the Lord, he already promised that he will send a Messiah. He is the Son of God. And according to Jesus, his resurrection was designed from heaven. That authenticated his ministry. In the book of Matthew chapter 16, verse verses one to four. And, and, and look at these Pharisees. Okay? Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came and testing him, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said to them, "When it is evening, you say, "It will be fair weather, for the sky is red, and in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening." Hypocrites. You know how to discern the face of the sky. But you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and the Lord said, "And no sign shall be given to except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Who was Jonah? What was the sign? The sign is when he was swallowed by the huge, big, you know, fish." he was there inside the belly how many days it's the same when Christ was buried third day he rose from the dead, and he left them and departed the resurrection of Jesus attested to by hundreds of eyewitnesses that Christ is indeed the Messiah the Savior that the nation of Israel was waiting and of course it provide irreputable proof that he is the Savior of the world look at look at uh, uh, first Corinthians chapter 15 3 to 8 for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and then he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures and then he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once. Now, think about this. Some people will argue that Christ, or these disciples, when they cried, they were hallucinating. No way, say? Because these 500 people, you think they, are, they were hallucinating at the same time? You don't hallucinate. All of us will hallucinate. No, and so they did not. And of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me. Of course, this is the apostle Paul when he encountered the Lord Christ going to the road to Damascus, going after the disciples as by one born out of due time. And so, and only it proved that God is powerful. It confirms his claim to be the Messiah and the Son of God. And number three, it proves his sinless character and divine nature. See, the scripture said God's Holy One would never see corruption. Psalms chapter 16, verse 10. And Jesus never saw corruption, indeed, even after he died. This is very important. Why? Because if he saw corruption, meaning if he is sinful, just like us, no way he can be a savior. He also needs a savior. Why? Because he is a sinner. But because the Bible says he saw no corruption, God was pleased when Christ said, It is finished. In other words, it is accomplished. Salvation through him. It's done. And that's why I said last Friday, You don't need to inflict pain on yourself, for you to have salvation. Christ did it for you on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago. Amen. His sinful character, divine nature, he is God. Remember this, God, uh, Jesus Christ, is not uh, 50% man and 50% God. He is 100% man, and he is 100% God. Some people have problems with this. In the book of Acts, chapter 13, verse 32, until verse 37, this is what the scripture said, And we declare to you glad tidings, that promise which was made to the fathers. God has fulfilled this for us, their children, in that he has raised up Jesus, As it is also written in the psalm, You are my son today, I have begotten you. And then he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption. He has spoken thus, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Therefore, he also says in another psalm, You will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep, was buried with his fathers, and saw corruption. You see, uh, uh, the writer of the book of Acts, of course, no other than Dr. Luke, is making comparison with a literal king, David, king of Israel. But this king, of course, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is a different king. And he said, David saw corruption, but Jesus saw no corruption. Verse 37, but he whom God raised up saw no corruption. So it, it proves his sinless character and 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 divine nature. It was on the basis of the resurrection of Christ that Paul preached. Through Jesus, the forgiveness of sin is proclaimed to you. Through Him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. I remember also last Friday, if you were here, that the reason why there is a Good Friday it's because. The penalty of sin is what? Death. I, I don't want you to forget that one, that we are all sinners. And that's the reason why Christ died on the cruel cross of Calvary, because of your sin and my sin. And when Christ was resurrected, he proved that he is sinless and he is so powerful and he is, his divine nature is being displayed. He is worthy to become your Savior and my Savior. And so this morning, if you are reluctant and you are not yet sure that you are saved, I challenge you this Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, give your life to the Lord. Admit you are a sinner. It's not about religion here, my dear friends and brothers in the Lord. It's about having a right relationship with Jesus. You can join. Every Baptist churches in this valley, you can join every Catholic church, every Mormon church, every whatever church we have here without you having decided to put Christ in your heart, to be your king, to be your savior. It's nil. It's nothing. We can only experience through faith by accepting Christ as our Lord and Savior in our hearts. Amen? Paul was clear. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. I was set free from my sin when I was in my third grade. It doesn't mean that I am perfect. I still commit sin. That's why there's this First John nine. It means that, oh, I am no longer a slave of sin. Amen. When I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, God forgave my past sin, present sin. And future sin. That's why when Christ was hanging on the cross, he died for the past sin, present sin, and future sin of every human being who will dwell, who will live in this earth. So Paul was right. Through him, everyone who believes is set free. Have you felt being free? You know, when you are free, there is joy in your heart. Amen. And that's why if you've experienced the freedom from sin, every, every Sunday that you come here, there must be that expression, hey, I, I am here because I am free and I want to worship the Lord. There should be joy. There should be gladness in your heart. Number four, The resurrection of Jesus Christ is not only the supreme validation of his deity, it also validates the Old Testament prophecies that foretold of Jesus' suffering and also resurrection. Uh, It's very clear in the book of Acts, written again by no other than Dr. Luke. and, And these are all prophecies, and they were all fulfilled. Number five, Christ's resurrection also authenticated his claims that he would be from the dead in the book of Mark chapter 8 verse 31 he kept on saying this to his disciples you know he predicted it he he prophesied it that in the third day uh, I I will rise from the dead you know what the reason why these disciples can can uh, perceive and and understand and process what Christ is saying "I, I will die And then on the third day, I will rise from the dead. It's because they they don't believe that the Messiah, the Savior, that God's Father is sending them, will die. That's why during, remember in our our lesson last Sunday, when he was entering the city of Jerusalem, people were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, save, save. And after how many days? Two days, they changed their mind? It's because they can't believe that, their Messiah is riding a donkey. They were thinking about the horse. Horse is a picture of, of, of a, a, a warrior riding on a horse. And so Christ's resurrection also authenticated his claims that he would be raised on the third day in which he was raised. But number two, not only uh, this is very important, event but also in our text this morning we can see Paul wrote that there was an alarming supposition he mentioned okay in, in in verse 13 following in the passage that we are reading this is an alarming supposition see if Paul's line of thinking is followed to its logical conclusion then you and I are facing some terrible consequences this morning if there is no resurrection from the dead then our lives mean nothing and we have wasted our time even getting up this morning let's take a look at what the apostle paul shows us what would be true if there was no resurrection from the dead okay number 1 verse 13 christ is not risen if christ is not risen you see, verse 13 says this will be the consequences. He died in vain. <laughs> yeah, the reason why Romans 4.24 says that because of Christ we have what? Salvation. And, and so if the resurrection is not true and the disciples stole the body of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they were lying that they saw him risen from the dead, Christ died in vain. And number two, he lied in Matthew 16, verse 21, because he said, in the third day, I will rise. So, if the resurrection of Christ is not true, we are worshiping a Messiah who is a liar. That's, of course, the alarming supposition of the Apostle Paul. And number three, letter C, he, he had no power to save and certainly cannot save today. He cannot be a Savior. His title should not be uh, Lord and Savior. It's only Jesus. By the way, Jesus means Savior. We can change his name to different. We can, we can, we can rename him Joe. Because we have a lot of Joe here, you know. In the Philippines, if you are an American, they will call you Joe. <laughs> hey, Joe! <laughs> <laughs> These are just the supposition of the Apostle Paul. Okay, then we will go to the truth. Number two, that is that is it. Christ is not reason Number two, our preaching is a waste of time. <laughs> Brad, you're wasting your time. Recording my sermon because Christ is not risen. Go home. That's what we're doing. We're wasting our time. You wasted five gallons of water when you took a bath. Going here, preparing, brushing your teeth. How many of you brush your teeth today? (laughs) Ah, oh, waste of time. I wasted my time this past week. Preparing Bible studies, sermons, because Christ was not resurrected from the dead. Our faith is foolish. Verse fourteen. All we go uh, are praying every Wednesday. Sister Lynette, you're wasting your time studying. Uh, we're wasting our time going to Lily, distributing trucks. working, hoping, holiness, praising is a waste of time. You're wasting your time, Sister Leah. Our faith is foolish, Paul said, if Christ was not resurrected. Verse 15, Paul said, all Christians are liars. Our our testimony is false. We are mentally deranged. To make matter worse, we all have lied on God, and of course that is blasphemy. Number five, we are all lost in our sins, Romans 10, 9 a dead Savior can save no one our departed loved ones are gone forever that means my brother my mom and my dad I will see them no more why it's because there's no resurrection from the dead if Christ was not risen from the dead they're gone forever they're just like your pets you buried them in your backyard God. We are to be pitied, verse 19. We are all fools. Why? Because building our lives and our hopes on the corpse of a dead man. Uh, we are all hell-bound. But praise the Lord, there is this triumphant assertion of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Of course, through the written word of the Apostle Paul. In verse 20, after verse uh, 23, Paul's announcement is that the message of the angels at the tomb was true. Amen. Read the record in Matthew chapter twenty-eight, verse one to six. Jesus did rise from the dead, just as He said He would, by the power of God. Jesus conquered the death, and then He rose again from the dead. And according to the Apostle Paul, the first Adam brought death. Romans five twenty-one. Of course, when when Adam and Eve violated God's commands, death entered into this world. And the Apostle Paul, however, the second Adam, the Lord Jesus, brought life and salvation amen that's why in the book of John chapter 11 I am the resurrection and the life so when Jesus arose from the dead he became the promise of more to follow he is the first fruit why? because he lives. the graves of this world will yield a rich harvest of the redeemed when he returns in his glory Because he lives, all things Paul mentioned are not true. That scary supposition that he mentioned are not true. Jesus is risen. And so, our preaching is not a waste of time. Amen. (laughs) Billy Graham's preaching going around the world. He did not waste his time. His son, Franklin Graham, is doing some evangelistic meeting in, in, in some part of Latin countries. And people are, you know, giving their lives to the Lord. He is not wasting his precious time because he is preaching a gospel. And that gospel is, of course, our Lord is alive. He's risen from the dead. Our faith is not wasted. Hmm. Yes, your faith and my faith are not wasted, and we are not liars. And yes, Sister Leah, you're not wasting your time. Hmm. Hmm. Brother Bishop Carlito, <laughs> you're not wasting your your technology here, your <laughs> talent. Amen. Oh, I, I want to, I, I want for us to really know and understand and meditate upon this. There must be joy in your heart right now. Remember this, my dear friends and brothers in the Lord. You are not permanent here. I am not permanent here. And that's why this person's moment, we have to really meditate. Me, Lord. I'm not even worthy. But because you made me worthy, (laughs) oh, I will serve you. I will give my life to you. Because my faith is not wasted. And we are not liars. Are you a liar, Joe? Brother Joe? Okay. I thought you were a liar. <laughs> we are not lost. Our departed loved ones live on his presence. We're not to be pitied but to be envied by all who sees us live the new life and hear our message of salvation through the shed blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ his tomb is empty amen thank god this thing is real if jesus christ is not resurrected we have no hope we have no savior we have no salvation. We have no hope of eternal life. Now, as Paul said, our faith would be useless and the gospel would be altogether powerless and our sins would remain unforgiven. Jesus said again and again, I am the resurrection and the life. And in that statement, he claimed to be the source of both. There is, no, there is no resurrection apart from Christ, no eternal life. Listen, Jesus does more than give life. He is life. You see the difference? He doesn't only give life, but Jesus is life. And that's why, listen again, death has no purpose. Power over him. I want you to understand that. See, Jesus confers his life on those who trust in him so that we can share his triumph over death. The Bible says he who believe in Jesus will personally experience resurrection because having life in Jesus gives, we have overcome death. My, my dear friends and brothers in the Lord, don't, don't be afraid if the Lord will take your life. I told you before that this life is only temporary. But I'm not saying that you will not take good care of yourself or your body. Be a good steward of it. But don't, sometimes we, we you know, we, we, we think that, uh, it's so much worry. We think that life is only here. When you have Christ in your life, He gives you life. That means, when you die, when you expire, just like your driver's license will expire, when you expire, when you meet the Lord face to face, with your appointment. You have an appointment with the Lord. How many of you have appointment with your doctor tomorrow? You can cancel that. Anytime. But you cannot cancel your appointment with the Lord. It is appointed and to man once to die. But after this is the judgment. If we are Christians, if we are in the Lord, the moment you die, you meet him face to face. And we have eternal life. Amen? So don't don't worry so much about uh, what's happening to you right now because that life that God gives you is better than this life you have here on earth. No more mortgage. No more arthritis. No more back pain. No more problem. No more tears. it is impossible for death to win because Christ was resurrected from the dead. Like other religions, Christianity possesses a founder who transcends death and promises that his followers will do the same. Every other religion was founded by men or prophets whose end was on the grave. Name it mentioned founder only Christ was risen from the dead amen so as Christians we know that God became man he died for our sins and he was resurrected from the dead. number three and last the importance of the resurrection of Christ has an impact on our service to the Lord okay now I want you to pay attention here the impact of the resurrection on our service the Lord now and so the Apostle Paul ends his discourse on resurrection with these words therefore my dear brothers and sisters stand firm let nothing move you always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not can you say it with me in vain I like the New King James Version therefore my beloved brethren, be steadfast Immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. You see, this, this is the challenge now for each and every one of us believers in the Lord. If we believe the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is real and true, then like the Apostle Paul's challenge, he said, Let nothing move you. Immovable. You see, your relationship with the Lord should be intact. And no matter what you experience in life, you are faithful in the Lord serving him. Amen. Why? Because you are serving a God who is not dead, risen from the dead. And so, therefore, the Apostle Paul challenges us, be steadfast, immovable in serving. Him. As a Christian, we should not get discouraged easily. If you have problems in life, don't get discouraged easily. If you have a problem with your finances, don't get discouraged easily. If you have a problem with your family, don't get discouraged easily. If you get discouraged easily, then Christ's resurrection is not really working in your heart. I want to go back to the first point. It proves that God is powerful. Paul was right here. Then... If the resurrection proves that God is powerful, then let nothing move you. Amen. It, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding. I like the word abounding. See, it's it's it, I see a picture of 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 you know being enthusiastic. There is an enthusiasm in serving the Lord. See, because we know we will be resurrected to new life. We can endure, listen, persecution, danger for Christ's sake. He mentioned it in verse 30 to 32, just as the Lord, our Lord did. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, did you know that thousands of Christians, martyrs through history, have willingly traded their earthly lives for everlasting life and the promise of resurrection? Oh yes, like the Apostle Paul like the, the rest of the apostles, most of them. They traded their early life, early lives for everlasting life. Why? Because the message, the gospel that they present to the world, to the Jewish and to the Gentile is not a lie, it's truth. And so they are ready to die for the truth. That's why they are immovable, they are steadfast and always abounding in serving the Lord. See, one of the reasons why, me personally, I believe that the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is true and real, it's because these disciples, their lives were really in danger. And most of them, they were persecuted. During the reign of Nero, these Christians, followers of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, did you know that Nero persecuted them? Nero burned Rome, and he blamed the Jewish Christians. You know, every night he's having a party, he uses Christians to light his candle. They, he burns them on a stake while he is having party drinking. But these Christians, they never disowned Christ. They willingly traded their earthly lives for everlasting life and the promise of resurrection. See, the resurrection is the triumphant and glorious victory of every believer. Amen. And so therefore, I I want you to understand one word here. Let nothing move you. Let nothing move you. In closing, I'm reminded of, of Peter in the book of John chapter 21. If you will... If you have read that chapter, when the Lord encountered uh, Jesus, uh, when, when, when Peter encountered Jesus after the, of course, during the resurrection, when he already, uh, of course, risen from the dead. Jesus Christ asked Peter. You remember what happened to Peter, right? He denied Christ. How many times? Three times. And you know, uh, Peter is a guy in which, uh, he, he's a cocky guy, you know. When, when he said, uh, I will die, and then, what did Peter say? Oh, over my dead body. And you remember when Christ was, was, was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane? What did Peter do? <laughs> he chopped his, he chopped, what is his name? Malchus Ear. And then Christ put it back. Oh, amen. Great. Okay. You know, poor guy. But of course he's blessed because Christ was there, or else he doesn't have well, one ear. But anyway. When Christ was being tried, think about this. His friend, Peter, denied him. Same, same betrayal with what Judas did. Oh, you are with them," the lady said. "No, yes, you are because your accent is Galilean. You're with him. No," and he heard that chicken rooster. It's a chicken. <laughs> Uh, that's where he realized what Christ prophesied about him. But you know the difference with Judas and Peter? Judas did not repent. He, he, he just you know, felt remorse, sorry for what he has done. But when Peter realized that what he did was not right, was, was wrong and it's not right, he repented. He turned around. And so the Lord asked him, Peter, do you love me more than this? Why? Because Peter, you know, went back to his old, old, old craft, fishing. And Christ said, Peter, do you love me more than this? Actually, he asked him how many times? Three times. I don't know why always three. He denied him three times, and then Christ asked him three times. But, but this question is a question in which Peter must search his heart. Peter, do you love me? This morning, I will throw that question to you. How is your walk with the Lord? We believe that Christ was resurrected from the dead. Amen. My question to you this morning, do you love Jesus? If we love Jesus, it must be reflected into our everyday living. No, we don't deny three times like, like, like Peter. But many times we deny Christ through our actions, through everything that we do that is not pleasing in the sight of God. If there is a thing that is not pleasing in the sight of God, today is a Resurrection Sunday. It's time for you, my dear friends and brothers in the Lord. Remember that he died because of your sin and my sin. And we sometimes, when we continue to do things that are not pleasing in the sight of God, we want to crucify him more. I will throw the question again. Do you love Jesus? If you love Jesus, if you love someone, you please them. You know what? Peter proved that he really loved Jesus. Why? Because he became the spokesperson. And no matter what this Enemy will do to them. They continue. They were stopped. Don't, don't preach the gospel anymore. They they continue. We obey God rather than man. Nah. They are willing to risk their lives because the Savior, the Lord that they are saving, is alive, he is the true and real God. Our heavenly Father, we thank you. for your words. We thank you, Lord, that your resurrection is real. It's not fake. It's not phony. You rose from the dead. Death has no more sting. Death has no more power. Because in you there is life and you are life. And Father, we thank you for extending that life to each and every one of us. You imputed righteousness through us and in us because of your death on the cross of Calvary. Father, this morning, help us to serve you abounding in our service, immovable in everything that we do. And Lord, We want you to continually work in our hearts and help us grow more in our relationship with you. This morning, I know that you're listening to our message. Is there anything that you want to commit to the Lord? I don't want you to raise your hand this day or at this very moment. I want you to just come forward. I want you to stand here. I don't know what you want to tell to the Lord again you ask you heard the question do you love me probably you want to say to him in this altar yes Lord I love you will you please stand up stand up come here in front and then we will pray together tell the Lord what's in your heart Will you stand up and come forward? Yeah, will you join this crowd? I know God is speaking to you right now. Is there heaviness in your heart? Give it to the Lord. Is there some something that bothers you? Give it to the Lord. Remember our first point. He's powerful. He's powerful. He can change you. If your situation is impossible, give it to the Lord. Is there anything that you can say, Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Help me change my mind. Will you come forward? Is there any more before we pray? pray together. Dear Heavenly Father we thank you. Thank you Lord for speaking to your children in a very personal way. And also I thank you for using me and I want to give back all the glory and honor to you. Oh Lord your words are indeed powerful. They have power to change the heart of an individual. These are your words oh Lord. And so, your children are responding. I don't know, Father, what's in their hearts right now. Oh, Lord, you know them. And so, Lord, as your servant, I lift them up to you, O oh, Lord. I pray for them. Oh, Lord, have mercy upon them. And continually, oh, Lord, be gracious unto them. I know, oh, Lord, some of them are struggling. Oh Lord, they 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 can do it on their own. That's why, Father, they are here in front of the altar asking you, oh Lord, to work miracle into their hearts right now. Do the impossible for them, oh Lord. Oh Father, thank you. Thank you for your ministry. And most especially, Father, thank you. For dying for us on the cross of Calvary, giving us, oh Lord, eternal life, a meaningful life, oh Lord, abundant life, oh Lord. Father, continue to shower this life to them. And continue, oh Lord, to help them grow in the grace and in the knowledge of your Son Jesus Christ. Blessing upon blessing, O oh Lord, upon them. Shower them, O oh Lord, with your love, grace, and mercy. And Lord, every day. Continue to remind them about your presence. And Lord, I pray also that you use them in your kingdom. Thank you, Father. Thank you for what you will do to every individual who are here. Again, Lord, blessing be upon them. For this is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor.